Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. This week's interview was with my main man, Matisse. We were in the trenches together during the 2020 primary, something serious. <laughs> the big homie is one of the most interesting and thoughtful people you will ever meet. Don't believe me? Just listen. And we're back with the esteemed man with the plan. Clipboard. Action. He helped me through my first several hostings of canvases where I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And thank God he was there because maybe Bernie would not have won uh, the debut. We got uh, Money Man Matisse in the house or backyard, I guess, today. Say what's up, Matisse. Hello. Hello. You want to say something other than hello? Uh, uh, I'm not sure uh, what what to say at this point. Yeah, we we met um, canvassing That's for right. uh, Bernie uh, in this last cycle. Um, <sighs> and uh, does that not feel like 800 years ago at this point? It, it yeah, it's. Um, I feel like I've known you for exactly 800 years. I, I can't I can't even remember. So we'll get right into some. Uh, there's a. a a, a saying about time and how we experience it that uh, a friend told me more than 30 years ago that mm. has stuck with me that applies to this sort of thing. Uh, she said that it came from Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science, mm. but I've never found anything that directly attributes it to it. But my friend Alan said that um, familiar marks in time and space lose their meaning in the light of spiritual illumination. And mind my brother, that measures was deep. time. Wait, wait, there's more. Okay. So they lose their meaning in the light of spiritual illumination. Mm -hmm. And mind measures time according to the good that is unfolded. That's, that is, I'm snapping. We like that. I think it's a true thing. Yeah, no, I, I don't even know that I understand it, but I feel like it is true. Our experience of time isn't, when something significant happens, sure. when we have a significant experience, our experience of time and space yes. isn't based on the the familiar marks, the clock, the sure. ticks on the clock. Or, or the days on the calendar. What, what street I was on or whatever. Sure. But instead, we uh, experience it based on what the actual emotional experience ah, was. Yes, yes. I 100% um, agree so with that. So how long ago we met it depends on what ruler you're using. That's right. You know, it's, that's right. Uh, so. We don't do Western constructs of linear time here. Okay, we're about well, to blow. You know, if I'm meeting mind. you tomorrow for lunch, then yes, yes, we do. However, <laughs> the ex the the coming together of comrades in the spirit in which it was done during that magical moment in 2020, right before everything went to shit. <laughs> <clears throat> I can't express that in a time unit, so uh, I'm with that. I'm going to want to ask you a question about that particular time, too. Yeah. When, uh, I don't know if now is a good time. Whatever. Go ahead. So, um, so we were in Doreen's backyard. That's right. Right? Um, and uh, we were, like, running the canvas, and the canvas, we had, everybody had gone out, and yep. we were hanging out, and we are waiting for people to come in or call in with questions and so on. And we're, so we're talking about politics and how to fix the world and stuff. Yeah. 
and at somewhere in there you were like if 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 bernie doesn't get the nomination mm-hmm. if biden gets the nomination there, i'm leaving the planet I, there's no <laughs> way leaving the planet. I, uh, you made so you know I, yeah. you were like no way yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely not and you, so you and i had a spirited conversation yes, we did. about it and i'm a i'm a cl- i'm a click on that in a second go, go ahead because i know where you're going go ahead and so uh-huh. i'm just wondering like reflect on that that's all i you know first of all just just so we're super clear i meant every goddamn word that i said and did i vote for joe biden during the general election absolutely not absolutely and there was not even a hesitation or a question now i will say and this is what i'm double clicking on i will say when making that considering that choice the only two or three things that had me consider otherwise was what you were saying. Cause I remember, I remember what you were saying. I remember being in Dodo house, we was kicking it while our little foot soldiers was out traversing the neighborhood. You said some, I'm, I'm misquoting, but uh, the general gist of what you said was something along the lines of like, no, you know, if, if someone other than Bernie were to get the nomination, i.e. Joe Biden, his brain doesn't even work. Like, no, that's not perfect, but we have to survive long enough to like fight again. You said something along those lines yeah. and you were, and I think you made, I think you made a, um, you made a reference to kind of like a fascistic, um, like Europe, Nazi Germany thing. Uh, I, and I, and I, and I took that, although I disagreed with you and Although I disagreed with you, I understood what you were saying, and I did consider it. Ultimately, I still decided to not vote for him. I threw my top of the ticket. I threw my vote to the Greens, and I'll do it again. I'll and I mean, I did the same did thing. Did you in do anything in the general election to get people in other states than California no. to get out to vote or anything like that? No, absolutely no. not. Okay, my my view because what you did in California, frankly, mm-hmm. is irrelevant. Yep. So I'm more interested in in in. In the bigger picture, so you refrained from doing anything to get people to vote um, yep. in the general election. Yes. Okay. I Got did. It. Yes, I did refrain because my this this year, well, twenty twenty. We're just a little bit in twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty, my my view. I used to be. I used to be fairly like sanctimonious about voting its purpose, the ritual, its effect. I used to be just all into it. That changed in a huge way in 2020. So I I don't take someone's well-considered or ill-considered, whatever, decision to not vote as a, um, as a sort of like irredeemable act of irresponsibility because in my view, from uh, the way I synthesized all of the dizzying events of 2020, um, vo- like voting doesn't hold, I think it's still important, I still do it, but I don't think it is the end all be all of one's articulation of a politic and how they want the world to be arranged, ordered, unordered, unsettled, etc. So I don't, I no longer, I no longer get upset or exasperated if someone tells me they don't vote because oftentimes they actually have a pretty clear articulation of why and they're not wrong. Sometimes they don't, but that's okay too. Do I, and do I poo poo on people who do decide to vote? Absolutely not. If that is, if that's how, if that's a part of your analysis of how we, you know, 
quote, make change in the world or um, make our political institutions responsive to us, that's fine too. But I didn't, I kept my powder very dry during a general election. 2020 kind of changed that for me, so. I get it, I get it. I, I agree with very much with most of what you said and mm -hmm. probably with the rest. I have to think about it a little sure, but sure, sure. But I think that all makes a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, the, uh, you know, until I moved to California in 1987, mm -hmm. um, I had never voted. Mm -hmm. And I uh, I was born in 62, so I was 25 What's the math when okay. I Mid moved 20s here. And the first Bush was running for president against Walter Mondale. Yep. And I voted in the 88 election mm -hmm. for two reasons for the first time. Um, and basically the shorthand before that, I was... Um, you know, don't vote. It just encourages them. Sure. And I don't really care yeah. who who wins. It won't make a difference to me. Mm -hmm. The policies of uh, Carter and Reagan weren't different enough to me sure. to to believe that it mattered. Mm -hmm. By that time, by the '88 election, I I really wanted to vote against Bush. Sure. I was not thrilled with Walter Mondale, but sure. I really wanted to vote against Bush. And there was a ballot measure, or maybe two, um, that either one of them or their combined effect, I forget, was to have AIDS testing results be released, mm. be, like be not private. Oh, yes, no, no, yes. no, no, no. And I wanted to vote against that. Of course. And uh, that measure was defeated and George H.W. Bush won. Mm. Uh, but that was, and I voted in, I think, every election since then yeah um but uh that i remember that changing because it was a a moment where it was something that i had been consciously not doing mm -hmm. um that i did okay well we're gonna we're gonna i want to get us back up to that point in why it was so important for you to change your behavior during um during that time but i want to go back way back i can't even do that voice right um <laughs> to the very beginning uh of a young matisse's life. i feel like i know 35 percent of this because i was giving you the third degree on the way to doreen's house during all these campuses but for posterity let's get your story on the record uh where did where did it all start out for you and, and what was it like growing up like where was i born yeah I was, you, you I was born, born in New up? York, which mm -hmm. means Manhattan. If mm. you're from That's right. Manhattan, <laughs> you're such a snob. You would say <laughs> New York if you're from the Bronx. My mother is from Brooklyn. Okay. Right? So I'm like half Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, my father was from uh, upstate New York, Schenectady and Rye. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but I was born in, in Manhattan, mm -hmm. and uh, we lived there for, I guess, about three years. In around 65. Mm -hmm. We moved to Boston, mm -hmm. to uh, Cambridge, actually. Mm. My father was a journalist, ah. and uh, he worked for the uh, Boston Globe, mm. and he was very interested in um, being a foreign correspondent. He was very interested nice. in China nice. at that time. Interesting. And uh, in 1967, mm -hmm. yes, um, he won a... Uh, I forget what it was called, but a thing with UPI, like a fellowship. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. to work at uh, they uh, to work at any UPI office in the world. What is UPI? Oh, United Press International. Sorry, ah. uh, they were they used to be the big competitor to AP. Ah, ah, ah. Right, there was AP, Reuters, and UPI. Gotcha. And UPI, I guess, doesn't exist anymore. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah but you know, um, but they were equally they were in the same tier as as Associated Press. Gotcha. A wire uh, service. 
Uh, well, yes, but a, a news service, gotcha. not just a, but yes, we also call the wires. Gotcha. Um, and so he chose Hong Kong hmm. because that was as close as a U.S. citizen could get to, to China, China in yeah. 67. Interesting. And so we moved there in late 67 huh. uh, or mid, maybe not late, in 67. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister was born there in oh. 67. Uh-huh. Uh, they were pregnant when my mother was pregnant when we went. So, sure. um, and uh, we're there for about a year. Okay. Um, and so I spent some time living in in uh, in Hong Kong uh, fifty more than fifty years ago. Mm. Um, uh, spent some time in India, hmm. Switzerland, hmm. Um, uh, Israel. Uh, his father, uh, uh, my grandfather, was living and working in uh, in, in Haifa at the oh. time. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, at the Technion, which is Israel's like MIT. Yeah. He was a public relations guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we uh, came back to the U.S. By that time, it was 1968. Hey. And Streets was hot. Yes. And I, we lived at my mother's mother's, my grandmother's house. Her father, my grandfather, died while we were there. He was sick mm-hmm. already. He had cancer. Mm-hmm. And we came back and... Um, he died in that time, and where, we, where was Brooklyn? This was in Brooklyn, ah, okay, uh, okay. Avenue M, and Twenty Third Street, uh, mm-hmm. East Twenty Third Street, Flatbush. Ah, um, and let's see, uh, what I remember from that time, um, I remember uh, my uncle Stephen uh, told me about Muhammad Ali, who I forget exactly what had happened at that time, whether mm-hmm. he had just been um, barred from boxing. F- uh, Either just barred or f- or something some something in that case mm-hmm. had happened, mm-hmm. but he uh, Stephen was a big admirer of, mm-hmm. of Ali and he told me about and um, Martin Luther King was assassinated mm-hmm. during that time and I remember um, and then Bo- and Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm. um, uh, seeing that on television I'd never seen color television before either mm-hmm. um, until you came back to the states yes mm-hmm. and uh, when I was a really little kid back in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. We didn't have it. Well, we had it. I guess we had a TV at some point. But I remember my mother was very anti-television. Ah. And I remember I was allowed to watch Mr. Rogers, uh-huh. Julia Child, yeah. and Dr. Science. Nice. Uh-huh. And I remember her telling me she had read some story in the newspaper or something about a woman who had come home and found her whole family watching television. Mm-hmm. And she lost it and picked the TV up and threw it out of the second story window. TVs were heavy back then. And Yeah. And um, <laughs> I was horrified. That's right. right. Like, I do not want that happening to me. Please chill, mom. But uh, <laughs> my dad had stayed in Switzerland for a little while, seeing if he could get a job there. But anyway, he came back. Mm-hmm. And not long after that, he was diagnosed with cancer, and, uh, with brain cancer, and he died in 1970. And I w- by that time, we were living in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was 1970. I lived there until the early 80s, or late 70s. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> uh, around 78, mm-hmm. when I was 16, I moved out. Mm. and Moved out of your mama's house? Yes, huh. yes. Why? Um, uh, that's a good question. Uh, there's probably <laughs> a lot of answers. Mm-hmm. Um, the the proximate cause mm-hmm. was that I was applying to college mm-hmm. and needed help filling out the financial aid forms. Sure. And she was too overwhelmed to help me do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And we got into a big fight, mm-hmm. and I left. 
Oh, you just stormed out. But yes, uh-huh. but that putting that down as the um, you know it was more emotionally complicated than that. Like sure. I think I I remember some of it was you know, the. Um, I don't want to talk about my mother in this, sure, sure, so I'm sure, trying sure. to say this in a way that doesn't say much about her. But mm-hmm. I was not in a place where I could deal with the place that she was in. I got you. I got you. Um, and uh, I, so I left. I, at the time, I was working at a radio station in New York called WBAI, which still exists. Mm-hmm. It's one of the Pacifica stations, uh-huh. so it's owned by the same place that owns KPFA. Yep. Right. Um, and uh, I spent the first night at the station mm-hmm. and I got an apartment or not a, I shared I slept on the couch mm-hmm. um, uh, with somebody else who worked at the station mm-hmm. and a friend of theirs oh wow um, up on 213th street uh, that's so in way Manhattan, north 213th street in Manhattan is one block long it goes from 10th avenue to Broadway mm-hmm. uh, the, the island is pretty narrow up that's there right. that's right right um, and uh, the rent was uh, my share was $75 a month Wow, right. um, and you could swing it working part time. Uh, working, I, I it was. I think it was technically a full time. You weren't in school at sixteen. Well, I was. Um, I don't remember the details of it. It was my my job was funded through a CETA grant, mm-hmm. uh, Comprehensive Employment and Training Act. Mm-hmm. This was the recession. It was a big recession on, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think I was getting like a hundred dollars a week. Oh, that's good right. money. So uh, back then. minus taxes, which wasn't much. Sure. Um, uh, so yes, I could. Yes, I. I so I, you were working and going to school. Yes, high school. Uh, I was going to City as School, which mm-hmm. was a public alternative high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, had gone to. I'd gone to a private school. For, I'd gone to public school up until second grade, and then mm-hmm. I went to a private school from second grade through junior high school, mm-hmm. and then I went to a public high school called Bronx High School of Science. Yeah, yeah for. Less than a year, mm-hmm. and I switched to City As School, mm-hmm. and I was accumulating credits at a faster rate mm-hmm. than usual, mm-hmm. and applied to and was accepted for early admissions to a college. Okay, um, and that's when that that financial aid thing and stuff yeah, took place. Um, um, and I def- I was accepted. and I deferred admissions for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was all happening around that time when I'm 16. I got you. Um, so you were around eight when your father passed. At that time, how did you, how as at that time, how did you understand your, your life, your family life as a child? Like, did you think everybody lived like you? Did you did you? Did feel I think what? Everyone lived like you. Like, did you think your your upbringing at that? No, point no. Was like, I I had by that time I had been exposed to a lot of different things mm-hmm. you know I, I had lived in different places the trip sort of around the world had uh you know i had seen a water buffalo being butchered in an alley in um in, uh, uh Kathmandu. you say that so casually right um <laughs> there was blood everywhere all over the place. and i remember i wasn't horrified but it was a very strong impression yeah 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 um and uh you know, I, I we'd been to India. I'd seen you know uh, people uh, putting bodies into the Ganges and yeah. um, people who were so poor that they were collecting animal dung mm-hmm. and then putting it on the side of their houses to dry. Wow! Wow! wow. Uh, um, and then u- using it as fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, and everything in between and yeah, seeing great, sure. great wealth and stuff. So I, uh, while we were living in Hong Kong, there were uh, frequent uh, protests and riots mm-hmm. um, protesting um, British uh, imperialism and yep. British rule of Hong Kong and like that. Uh, so, and I, and I was told about all of this. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I already mentally was in a complicated world. Sure. Like that. But did you, how would you describe your childhood up until about eight now as an adult? Were you like middle class, upper middle class? Like everybody thinks they're middle class. Well, you know, we, 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 we always had a place to live. We always had food. Um, there were family and, uh, and, and friends around who were also similarly situated. So there was never any sense of, um, like you didn't come home and the lights would be off and right. your parents had to make sense of that. Never, never. But, but no. summer also wasn't a verb in your house. No, no. Nope. In fact, yeah, I've never even, I think I don't think I've ever known anybody who used <laughs> it as a verb. Okay. Summer in the Hamptons. I know what it is. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, that wasn't um, you. Uh, but no, so I, I, we were I, uh, actual middle middle class, mm-hmm. I, I would say, um, the, uh, which was better off then than that would be now. Because right? were you were your were your parents living off of one income? Did your own? Yes. Did only your father work and your mother did yes. not? Outside of the home, I mean. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and the uh, the apartment that we were in was a, a middle income co-op. Uh, mm-hmm. New York State had this program called Mitchell Lama Co-ops, where the, basically the, the the taxpayers underwrote the loans that allowed these buildings to be built, mm-hmm. and then they were co-ops, right? Yep. Not condos or right. um, rentals so you bought in yeah. for let's say $3,000 or something and if you ever moved out and sold it you got your $3,000 back right but no, that I was it be, yeah, yeah. 30 years later they got the laws changed yeah. so that people could sell their apartments at market rate or the and, 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 the, and so on um, mm-hmm. but uh, at that time uh, that was not the case and you had to have there were income limits on, sure. uh, to be able to buy in. Sure. My father was a journalist. He uh, uh, worked, uh, had worked for the Boston Globe, for UPI. When we came back, he um, was a freelance journalist. He did some work for the East Village Other mm-hmm. uh, earlier, but then for the Village Voice. And um, the I think the New York Herald Tribune, mm-hmm. which was a paper at the time, newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time that he died, he was working on the staff of a New York state senator, mm. Ed Spino. Mm-hmm. Um, and he interviewed for the job and was diagnosed with cancer during the same week. Wow. And Ooh. Spino made the date of his employment the date of the interview. Oh, what? so that he could get coverage. He was covered. Wow. wow. Republican wow. state senator. Hmm. But he saw the, I mean, he understood right. the need. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. 19... 19- 68 or 69 something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the S- new york city school system mm-hmm. five boroughs of yep. new york five counties right um was uh largely centrally controlled mm-hmm. by i'm gonna grossly oversimplify this yeah by white jewish people sure and the he can say that uh, and the black mm-hmm. families in s- certain communities yeah. had had enough yeah and there were a lot of, there was a lot of tension between how teachers were getting placed in uh, different places. Mm-hmm. And 
it led to the teachers going on strike. Huh. In um, all five boroughs? Or? Yes. Okay. Um, and it started in Ocean Hill, the Ocean Hill Brownsville neighborhood mm-hmm. in, uh, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and schools were closed down. Parents were breaking into the schools to occupy the schools and take back Whoa. the schools. Whoa, um, okay. So here's my question. Were the, were the teachers who started the strike, were these predominantly Jewish teachers or black teachers? Do you remember? I, I'm, it would have to have been white teachers. I don't know they're religious because there weren't that many black teachers. Gotcha. So, so the teachers initiated this strike because... They didn't want to be assigned to schools that they didn't want to work in. Ah, white teachers I'm were striking. grossly oversimplifying no, 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 this, but that's yeah, fine. that's We the, do grossly yeah. oversimplifications here. White teachers initiated this labor action because they did not want to they did not want to be in a situation where they were placed at schools that they didn't want to work at which were probably largely black and or brown is that correct would that be that's a gross over over generalization of of one one aspect of the story but Uh yes yes okay so and then the the parents were breaking into these schools to occupy them were these parents white were these parents black puerto rican um I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I think it. I, I'm. This is. I'm going to speculate because I know of one incident, like personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was in our neighborhood in Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, where I'm going to say it was a probably mostly white but mixed race parents uh-huh. who just wanted the school to be open. Ah. Right. Okay. Um, although many political desires contend in the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, in other parts of the city, mm-hmm. um, there may have been predominantly black parents yeah. who did it for the same reason. They wanted the school open, mm-hmm. but maybe they wanted it run differently. Mm. And w- what, what came from this was the community school board controls became much wow. stronger mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a consequence of this. But Kids like me were out of school for a period of time during, mm. that, during that. Because of all the tumult. Schools the, were closed. The teachers were on strike. Some schools were being occupied by parents. Well, they weren't, like, they didn't, they, as far as I know, there was no, like, week days-long occupations by parents. Mm-hmm. These were, um, but there were attempts at things like that. Uh, uh, they didn't actually set up alternative schools, but maybe they did. I have to go back and look at the history. I, sure. I, I, I don't know it, but I don't recall uh, that actually happening, although so this is like 1969 uh, or 70 or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's even 68, even still when this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so the tradition of like teach-ins and things like that was very much still in the popular memory. Sure. So they might have done that, mm-hmm. but I don't remember it mm-hmm. as a thing. Okay, but you but you do but remember our school. Th- we are mm-hmm. PS 84. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parents wanted it opened again. Yeah, of course. Right, that You're was right. there. Parents right now want right, schools yes, open. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Huh. So that, so that's how. So the what was the name of it? Something Brownsville. Ocean Hill. Ocean Hill, Brownsville. What would you describe that as? Uh, well, it was, there was clash. all those things. There was a strike, but there right. were protests. There uh-huh. was uh, 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 there was um, a political movement for community control of schools. Mm-hmm. Um, all all of those things were happening at the same time. Okay, so the Ocean Hill Brownsville moment was happening uh, shortly after you got back to the states. Um, the assassinations of King um, and Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy. What, as a child, try and go back and think about how you thought of all of these things. Like, 
what was your impression of these things? Did you did you have an impression of these things or was it just kind of like, I don't know, I'm inside playing Legos, mom is making dinner, or did like or did you have an idea of how your family and or your community was situated in these things? I, I don't recall it. I mean, it made emotional impact on me. I remember for, you know, one thing of uh, watching television and people waiting at a train station for a train that was either bearing King's body or something involved in that. Uh, somebody was killed on the train tracks by wow. accident. You know, just, By the train or? Yes. Uh, yes oh, wow, wow, yes. wow. Mm -hmm. um, uh, or by a train, mm -hmm. maybe not by that train. But um, and I remember, you know, how sad that was. Mm -hmm. I understood that it was a moment of great sadness, mm -hmm. um, and that a great loss had happened mm -hmm. to the community, the whole mm -hmm. yeah. community, and that there was this additional insult and mm -hmm. tragedy on mm -hmm. top of it. Mm -hmm. I already experienced the world as a place where protests and marches and I mean. We had gone on anti-Vietnam War marches as a kid in Cambridge. Huh. And my parents had been distributors in Cambridge for the East Village Other, which was a New York City alternative newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, and in Hong Kong, my father had told me about you know the, the protests and riots and bombs um, that were going on there mm -hmm. and roughly what, you know, what the politics of it mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, I remember him telling me how his friend Terry Wheeler, who was, I think, a photographer, but another journalist mm -hmm. um, who had um, been in, in, in Vietnam recently, this was in 67, mm -hmm. that when he had left and come to Vietnam, to uh, Hong Kong, that the plane before his and after his were both hit by uh, gunfire on wow. the way out. Wow, wow, um, wow, wow, wow. I don't think they were shot down, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, uh, you know, so there were all kinds of things about stuff happening in the world that mm -hmm. was normal. I think you use that word to huh, me. That my like sense of what of things that happen in the world included mm -hmm. things that a lot of eight-year-olds don't think of. A lot do, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but that uh, I would say, but that that most of the eight-year-olds around me at that time w did not think of. So when I was in public school there in Brooklyn in 68, I guess before the strike, um, uh, there was a, a uh, Pledge of Allegiance thing. And I don't remember the details, but I didn't um, participate in it. You know, I wouldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance oh, or something or, kind of like or, a or had some pushback against it sure. and there was some like maybe a meeting with my parents or whatever but mm -hmm. they were not they they were sympathetic uh, right uh. you know it, and it was a uh, a a reasoned opposition it's sure. like that i'm uh, i don't have an allegiance to the flag right right um mm. it's uh not, you know i wonder if they had ever had a pledge of allegiance to the constitution <laughs> that would be an interesting like you know many people take it as an oath when they become uh, elected representatives yeah, or yeah. enter the military mm -hmm. you know preserve and protect and defend the constitution of the united states mm -hmm. uh, to the best of my ability against all enemies uh, foreign, foreign and domestic, and domestic. Mm -hmm. right uh, uh we could have an interesting discussion about like should you have to make that pledge in order to vote right um i mean i would say no, it's a bad idea, yeah. but it'd be a very interesting argument to have. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be arguing with you. I'm uh, with you on that. Um, I think that's a no. Mm -hmm. But uh, so my, I, I certainly had a sense of otherness from other kids mm -hmm. even before my father died. 
meaning. And then I had a huge sense of otherness after what, that. What yeah. it, when you say you had a sense of otherness from other kids before your, before your father passed, what do you mean by that? You felt well, different? it wasn't a the kind of uh, ref, you know sense that I could describe now mm-hmm. with hindsight, right? Sure, sure. But uh, I just didn't hear them talking about and reacting to things in the same uh, way that I did. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so uh, there was um, just a sense that um, I was kind of seeing something that 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 they weren't seeing. Mm-hmm. And I will say um, that I could see what I thought they were seeing. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't. I, it wasn't that I thought they were seeing illusions or something, but mm-hmm. that I was seeing additional things sure. that 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 weren't part of uh, what they were seeing. Hmm. Interesting. Did how, as an adult looking back now, how would you describe your parents? politically or their approach to politics or their ideology how how would you describe that uh, their politics i mean you also you have to think of it in the context of that time sure, so sure, I, sure. I so try uh in, in today's context mm-hmm. oh i don't even know how to separate it i'm I, it's um trying to describe we don't it. have politics like that anymore right it's a different world tell me what you mean right? by that well I, I would say that they were like you know mainstream liberals mm-hmm. right but um i don't know that mainstream liberals would go to an anti-vietnam war march in 1965 really now really that today's mainstream liberals wouldn't you don't think so? um i remember i remember well and maybe these people wouldn't describe themselves as liberals but the all of the protests during um the iraqi invasion in the in the early aughts i think a, a lot of those people were quote mo- mainstream liberals no there weren't like millions of beatniks in the street these were like reg quote regular my parents were squarer than that what do you mean squarer <laughs> there were square they were white I mean, moms in portland this summer yeah, like showing um, down the police so why um you th- are you saying like your parents weren't like loud brat like your parents wouldn't be on Facebook fucking posting their balls off today Absolutely about not. blah blah right. blah okay right. okay so it's an aesthetic thing I think is what you're, the difference well I, I think and some of this is things that I maybe learned later mm-hmm. about it, but I think my father certainly who was very engaged with thinking about the world politically because of his work and yeah, so forth yeah. uh, and his interest believed in working within the system mm-hmm. as a formal thought. Uh-huh. And my mother, I don't know what she thought politically at that time in, in that kind of analysis. I don't hmm. know if she, she had that kind of political analysis at that time. Hmm. If you were to describe, not necessarily label, but describe your parents politically or ideology um, now as an adult, what would it be? Like we are anti-war and fiscally conservative. They were pro-decency. And- what does that mean? You know, you just try to treat other people like a human being, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the way you would treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And that a insult to decency is an insult to maybe the most important parts of ourselves. And did that have, did that have a material articulation in your parents, in their politics? Meaning, like, were they... Well, my father's desire to understand China uh-huh. uh, and to uh, 
was wrapped up in that sort of thing. My mother w uh, was a painter. Mm -hmm. um, and my father was also, mm -hmm. um, but he kind of stopped doing that to some extent, and she was doing more of it mm -hmm. than I think. Um, and uh, but I don't think that her artistic work was politically mm -hmm. motivated or no, thought of it at all. Yeah. Um, and they were both doing abstract mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I really, I, I would say it was just like. Um, you know, the Dalai Lama said, you know, <laughs> kindness is my religion. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, like, kindness or decency were their politics. Okay. And so instead of measuring anything in terms of a political program, mm -hmm. they would tend to measure things in terms of just whether it was like you were being a nice person. So it was more like and a that, gut check of, like, it, this feels good. This feels right. This feels yeah, nice. Yeah, well, it feels. Um, like you know, feels like the way I would want to be treated. Okay. Right. That's it's not golden question necessarily. Yes, golden ruley. Yes, uh -huh. <laughs> and and I guess I and I probably still am that way in many in many ways. Mm -hmm. That uh, and from that one may support or oppose a particular policy or mm -hmm. a particular implementation and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But the core mm -hmm. of it, I think, was just that um we're all here together and should just treat each other decently mm. um that uh my father used to tell me stories of um the community house the animals in the north woods who mm. built the community house and there's a whole i could tell you the stories but the um the uh but they were about these this diverse group of people um david bad and marvin moose and so you know who um got together and made a community and mm -hmm. i think it was an expression of you know what he believed sure right sure. um uh, hmm. does that answer your question i think so i think i think so um and your what do you what do you think drove your dad to go work for a republican state senator he was I don't know, but it was uh, specifically, but I know that, that Spino was, I think, ran the committee that was doing, the specific project that he worked on was a study of uh, transportation, the future like of transportation hmm. in the tri-state area, oh, uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, airports, trains, planes, automobiles, big deal. And they were looking at infrastructure over the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. How, what should we do? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I imagine that he saw it as a worthy endeavor yeah, sure. to be part of, and he needed a job. Gotcha. Um, and it was a different time then, you mm -hmm. know, where um, a Republican state senator doing that wouldn't have been trying to privatize yeah, every that's right. um, He had been infested by a neoliberalism. Shut down the Metropolitan Transportation Commission or that's something right. like that. That's um, right. huh. did, your, did your mom start working after your dad passed? She did. Mm -hmm. uh, she uh, got a master's degree in education oh, from nice. Bank Street. Mm -hmm. um, and she worked in the New York City uh, public school system mm -hmm. as a uh, art therapist and counselor oh, right on. Um, for many years and uh, took an early retirement. And mm -hmm. Did her politics or ideology change, do you think, um, looking back now after your dad's passing? Or she was still strident? Not from that. Mm -hmm. um, during working in the Board of Ed for many years, mm -hmm. her... Um, her attitudes about some things uh, 
changed mm-hmm. and she's still alive and I don't want to speak for sure, her. Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, but uh, certainly, I mean, I was in the New York City public school system and um, it is a... Um, uh, it is a poster child for bureaucracy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, public education in general is something that I am very in favor of. Sure. Um, I think we should have taxpayer funded college education Hello. across the country. Uh, um, right. That uh, it, I also recognize, though, that um, it's um, often incredibly inefficient mm-hmm. and bad teachers and administrators are allowed to remain in position mm-hmm. long past their sell-by date mm-hmm. because of unfortunate consequences of political compromises and negotiations that have happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Describe yourself, describe your life at that point. Like you're late teens, you're not quite a, not a numerical adult, but you are living independently. Um, what was what was your life like and how did you kind of see things? What were you into? Well, I was very um, independent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was uh, in contact with a lot of adults who had like alternative lives. The mm. people who worked at the radio station all were not, uh, you know, uh, they were all marginal in various ways. Tell me what you mean by that. Um you know, there was a guy who I was friends with who was a public school teacher who mm-hmm. had a radio program mm-hmm. there who I did part of my city of, city of school was like a work-study high school. Mm-hmm. You got all of your credits. Almost all the credits were for not classroom stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I worked in the um, junior high school that Paul was a teacher in mm-hmm. um, as his like lab assistant. He was a science teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He also was a polymorphic drug user. What does that mean? He used everything. Like he LSD? Everything. Oh, okay. Right. Everything. Everything. Okay. Um, and he had at one time, <laughs> before I, I knew him, uh-huh. I think been a, a long-term heroin addict. Oh. But he was, by, that, by the time I knew him, he was no longer using heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else. But uh, yeah, but he would. I remember a situation where he, uh, you know, was using Dilaudid, uh, but uh, recreationally. It wasn't like he didn't. You, when the supply was gone, he yeah, yeah. got something else. Oh, okay. Um, but he was like functional. Yes, he was a high functioning, okay. uh, uh, multi drug addict or user. Now, sure. but he died in around two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I am told that he had completely cleaned up by oh. then, including quitting smoking, which oh, is wow. really uh, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he had uh, heart problems by then mm-hmm. and, and, and died. But this is, we're talking about now in the um, uh, the late 70s. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the, uh, he ended up in the hospital because he nodded out on quaaludes with a candle on a plastic milk crate in his apartment and it set <gasps> the apartment on fire and he woke up to the fire department yeah uh, you know rescuing him was um, that who you were staying with when you no no no, oh, okay, no okay okay no. that's just you you worked you did he the was work someone study who was thing at the radio station, gotcha, right? gotcha who was a really nice guy sure sure right? sure, sure. Um, was you getting down what were you <laughs> I wish you all could see his face during this time. Was you getting down? Was you was you wild out here experimenting with was this? Was I and using that? drugs? Yeah, uh, there were drugs I used. Okay, I didn't there, use there the the, the, um, the range okay. uh, 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 that Paul did. Okay, but, all right. Uh, you know, 
Oh my God. And later on, years later, mm -hmm. I went to a uh, week long thing at Esalen that Timothy Leary led. Mm. And um, I read his autobiography, which sure. is a really good one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he describes a story of um, he, Richard Alpert Ramdas, mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, Allen Ginsberg and uh, Peter Orlovsky, who mm -hmm. was Ginsberg's partner, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just. It was just them are discussing what to do with psychedelics mm -hmm. that they have learned about and so forth and and one of them says well you know Aldous Huxley has t told us that we should we should give it to artists musicians and painters and and the enlightened rich mm -hmm. well they, they will turn on the enlightened rich mm -hmm. and it will spread into culture and society that way mm -hmm. and Leary so, and, oh, and they're all tripping while yeah, this is yeah, going on, right? And Leary says, no, no. It's got to be like baseball and apple pie. It's got to be like everybody's <laughs> got to have access to it. And that idea sort of took hold uh -huh. and thereby hangs the tale. Because uh, uh, uh. uh, Tim and others around him sort of evangelized mm -hmm. psychedelics as a tool for living for living yes mm. for understanding ourselves and mm. so on and you know they were scientists they yeah, wanted yeah, to go about chemists. it in a study, but uh they wanted it to be something that everybody could could study and and do sure and uh, and that you know it would destroy the system sure but i was surrounded by these adults who sure. were in various ways very creative and very marginal M marginal meaning like they were kind of society's misfits like they yeah. didn't fit a, the yes. typical mold uh -huh. yes and being around that at that age did you aspire to kind of be a marginal or a misfit or no no okay. no i, I, no, I <laughs> aspired no. to i aspired to not suffer from the fit that can hurt you mm. i didn't want to fit just to fit uh, uh, uh. but i didn't want to um hurt by misfitting for the sake of misfitting. You're going to have to say that in English another so, way because you lost me. So I, I didn't aspire to be a misfit for its own sake, mm -hmm. to, to reject the fit. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know? But there were things about what one might call fitting mm -hmm. that I disagreed with or didn't want. Like what? Um, well, the, the sort of rigidity and, and lack of... of um, of active curiosity that I saw in <laughs> public education at the time, like mm. at Bronx Science, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. The um, um, I, I experienced the the uh, the overall culture there as mm. one that wasn't terribly questioning. Mm. Um, I, I'm hesitating because, of course, there were many individual people who were in sure. various stages of questioning. So. Um, but the the overall um, environment mm. um, wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it was incurious. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, so individual. So I can think of like a couple of teachers who were sure. definitely individually curious. Yeah, yeah. But the system, if you will, uh -huh. the, systemically, yeah. it was incurious. And and you uh, and that turns you off. Yes. Fitting in society or fitting a particular mold uh, in society is that a is that was that at the time not appealing to you because you wanted to not be constrained by kind of like bounded thought or thoughts on, you know, 
the right way to behave, the right way well, to go about I, it. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you what I remember. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, we're talking about now um, 1978. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I knew about the Vietnam War. Yeah. Right. Which had just ended three years before. Yep. Right. Um, and we weren't studying it. There were no lessons. Huh. You know, the United States had just been involved in this war that had gone on for a decade, more than a decade. Yeah, that's right. 55, 66,000 Americans had died in it mm-hmm. and a million Vietnamese, I, you know, yeah, a lot. Probably more, yeah. um, and it wasn't subject matter, huh, right? At that time. Right. Oh. I I, in my I social didn't... studies class, it, and the kids in the class, you know, couldn't find Vietnam on a map. Um, huh. And, uh, you know, today I might be say you know doing the old man shaking the fist thing about can kids today find afghanistan on a map mm-hmm. right um <laughs> that uh you know what countries border afghanistan mm-hmm. i took a front uh-huh. at that you know uh-huh. I, I uh and uh i remember talking to the social studies teacher about mm-hmm. it mr mm-hmm. crespi who was a good guy mm-hmm. and i'm paraphrasing him but he basically said you know matisse we got to meet people where they are mm. and 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 he said he was basically pointing out my privilege. He said, you know, you went to this private school for all these years with people from all over the world. The mm-hmm. school that I went to was very um, multinational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been to Hong Kong and mm-hmm. Thailand and mm-hmm. like that, or Siam, I guess, as it was. Uh, you know, the people in this building mm-hmm. haven't had all those experiences. Okay, but I call and, bullshit, Mr. Crespi, um, because these the people in this building also turn on the CBS News every evening, and there were like embedded correspondence in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I like, miss Walter Cronkite. Yeah. I got to tell you, <laughs> right? Huh. Interesting. So you did you? So what did you at that time? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with your life, or did you just have an idea of what you did not want? Uh, I was to do forming it. You know, by the time I had applied to that college, to Antioch University, I was accepted there, right? Mm -hmm. I I intended to do, they had a five years master's degree program in applied policy science where uh, you'd get a master's in five years, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I thought that I would do that and that I would do a minor in organic chemistry so (laughs) that I could make and sell drugs to to make a living nice. because being a political organizer wasn't going to pay anything. <laughs> That's right. That was my, that was the I plan. I need to be somebody's pusher as well. Right, that. No, no, no. I would be a dealer. You know, the dealer, you know, That's will what sell, sell you a lot of sweet dreams <laughs> for nickel. The pusher, you know, it'll take your body and leave your mind to scream. <laughs> no, that's fair. Okay. Right. Uh, that's what the song says. Yes, that's, yes, uh, you are. Like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you were forming your idea of what you wanted to be. What what were the ideas that were percolating in your mind? Like, what were you knocking around? Well, in I, your head? I, you know, I was involved. So when I there was a point somewhere in there, I forget the exact time. I dropped out of school. Antioch or high no? School? I never went to Antioch. So I was at high school. Mm-hmm. I applied to Antioch, was accepted, and mm-hmm. deferred admissions. Yes. And during that year, mm-hmm. which would have been around. 79 mm-hmm. i decided not to go okay the 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 daunting prospect of being fifty thousand dollars in debt really? which was a lot of money then i know now it's, that doesn't it, seem like much no, but, that was not, but yeah. it was uh, um i mean you know the minimum wage was like 285 an hour or hey, something at yeah. that time mm-hmm. um uh and you would have w- had to w- pay w- your was own very way. much and i had become very disillusioned with the system if you will sure. that, and even though i had visited antioch and and saw them as being 
quite a bit outside of the norm of mm. that. Um, a combination of those things. And I was uh, uh, estranged from my mother at that time. Sure. And no, nobody was, there were no adults who were really supporting me to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I had good arguments for not doing it. Sure. Um, and I was marginally financially independent. Mm -hmm. um, I was getting Social Security survivor's benefits uh, for, um, for my mm -hmm. dad's death. Mm -hmm. um, so that combined with the work that I had, I could live on it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I then got it. I had a job selling fruit and nuts on the street. Yep, you told me about that. Um, 40 bucks a day. Uh, yes, and that yes. was good money. Cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was good money. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, it was in some ways it was the best job I ever had. Mm -hmm. Right, you know I was feeding people. Yeah, it was simple. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, so I wanted to make things better. Uh -huh. Right. Um, I got involved in anti-nuclear uh, politics and organizing, mm -hmm. um, and uh, wanted to continue. With there was a point where I applied for a job at the War Resisters League, which mm -hmm. I was quite involved with at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, th th somebody took me into a room privately and explained that there was no way they were gonna hire a white male for this position. Really, uh, back then? Yes. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and uh, I said, well, what about someone who's younger than anybody else? You yeah. know, doesn't that count? And the right. guy was like, yeah, I know, but right now mm -hmm. the white male thing <laughs> yeah, is- is not a good is, time for is, you. Is, is that. Now, the person that they were going to hire, who they did, mm -hmm. Nora Lumley, I knew and liked, and she was more qualified for the job than I was. So uh -huh. I didn't resent it on that level sure, at sure. all. But I did recognize and accept and resent, mm -hmm. you know, how that was playing out. Sure. Right? But had I gotten a job as a political organizer then, mm -hmm. my life could have gone in quite a different uh, direction. What do you think it would have, um, how would your life I don't know. ended up? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But uh, the... Uh, uh, in the absence of that, I, I think I, I, that w I probably already had the job selling fruit and nuts and so forth. Um, somewhere in this in this period, I became a union carpenter. Is the short version. I forget Wait, exactly what? when this. I forget forget exactly. Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. You're working at the radio station as a as a newly the liberated. Cedar Grant, the Cedar Grant ran out. Uh -huh. I got laid off. I was getting unemployment, which uh -huh. was half of the $100 a week. Right. Plus uh, your survivor's benefits because you weren't 18 by yet. By the time I was 18, that ran out. So that would have been 1980. Uh -huh. um, a friend's mother mm -hmm. told me that the Carpenters Union was opening, opening up its apprenticeship program. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went down to the Carpenters uh, uh, Union uh, central place and mm -hmm. stood online and applied, got a letter. Mm -hmm. And the way it worked then was that it, you got this letter, you were provisionally in the program, and then mm -hmm. you had to go and find the first job yourself. Okay. That was it. They gave After you a letter. After they gave you the approval. Or well, the, the approval was just like, what's your name and your, your address? Sure. Right. But after you got that certification, then it's like it's on you to actually find the work. Right. So the way they, at least then, the way the Carpenters Union worked was that you had to hustle your first job as an apprentice yourself. Mm -hmm. So often you knew somebody. Sure. Right? But we didn't. Sure. So what was your first apprentice job as a carpenter? My first one was working on the project that put um, a subway tunnels under the East River at huh. like 60th Street or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the actual work under the river was only done by the Sandhogs Union. Mm -hmm. um, but on either side of the river, mm -hmm. there was a large 
um, shaft that intersected the tunnels. So yeah. the tunnels were going to have two uh, um, two two tracks in each direction mm-hmm. above each other. Two, mm-hmm. There were two levels of tracks. And the uh, the bottom bottom one was about 150 feet below street level, mm-hmm. um, and the there was a 150 foot by 150 foot by 150 foot deep hole in the ground mm-hmm. that was decked over, mm-hmm. and inside that, um, various support structures and stuff were being built. Mm-hmm to have a uh, a light maintenance station where they could just pull trains right off the tracks up mm. you know a couple levels mm-hmm. so like levels 5 and 4 mm-hmm. were train tracks running through tunnels mm-hmm. running through and levels 3 2 and 1 mm-hmm. were other things mm-hmm. and so the carpenters union and the electricians union and the laborers union all mm-hmm. the tr- traditional construction trades did work in that area uh-huh along with the Sandhogs. The Sandhogs were the only ones who worked in the overhead environment mm-hmm. under the trouble. They would do blasting, and they did everything. They would run all the, the stuff uh, under there. Was your view of being in the Carpenters Union at that time, was it political or was it more practical? Just like, hey, well, it started practical. And... It, it started completely practical, uh, mm-hmm. but I came to appreciate the political aspects of it. The, mm. the contractor in that case right, mm-hmm. was a joint venture between the Shavoni Construction Company, mm-hmm. um, of whom Ray Donovan had been the president. He was, at mm-hmm. that time, the Secretary of Labor under uh, Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, a Italian uh, company. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I was very happy to have the union in between them and me. Huh, huh, huh. You know, um, mm-hmm. they... Uh, you, came quickly to appreciate, you know, the physical danger of the job. A guy died on, yeah, the, on that yeah. job while I was working there. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, And all of the things that unions had fought for and obtained, yeah. uh, I certainly appreciated and could see how, um, and I had worked non-union construction before that uh-huh. uh, on a much, much, much smaller scale. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, but I could see how in that kind of an environment, mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was very glad that the that the union was there. Gotcha. Did you? How long were you in the union as a carpenter? Well, I remained in the union until years after I had moved to California and wasn't doing that work actively. I kept paying dues, mm-hmm. and, but I worked actively for f- five years, something so like until that. Until like eighty-five. Um, yeah, and then I went. I got into an architecture school. Mm-hmm. And uh, stopped working full time, but in the winter break or whatever, when I had left that last job, I, the way that hiring worked in those days, I may still, I don't know, um, was that on each job, the Carpenters Union contract specified that the union would pick half of the people who would work at, on that job, mm-hmm. and the contractor would pick the other half. Mm-hmm. And this allowed the contractor to take people who they worked with together mm-hmm. from job to job uh-huh, uh-huh. right and then wherever the job happened to be located because they were in new york city is big enough that there are multiple local unions yeah 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 um the the local hall for that location would pick the other half mm-hmm. by that time i had become one of the people that the contractor was taking from job to job huh. right mm-hmm. and so walter who was the superintendent this is sna concrete um so um my checks were signed by um uh, Paul Castellano. Whoa. Uh, uh, you were in with the mob. Yeah, yeah. You have it was lived long. like a million lifetimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, uh, 
Um, and yet while I was working in that job, that underground job, the head of our union was supposed to testify in a influence buying scam. Hell no, he kept his mouth shut, didn't he? He did, because he <laughs> disappeared. Course. And they found his wallet floating in shallow water near the Verrazano aye, Narrows aye, Bridge. Aye, 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 aye. Um, and so our uh, union cards, you would get one every quarter when you paid your dues. Mm -hmm. The place where his signature was printed we just had a big black box over it until they got a new president for wow. after six months or something. Wow. Um, yeah. Did was, you like, did you, did you, were you aware of like the mob and their hand and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and yeah, you just yeah, there were, kept he, your Various going. times. Um, on one job I worked on, which was a, an awful job that I actually quit. It was the only one that I ever actually quit. And there's <laughs> stories to tell there, but I'm outside the job, like on lunch break, which is a ha was a half an hour. Mm -hmm. And a limousine is parked outside the job mm -hmm. and somebody is visiting. In there. And the driver mm. is hanging out, smoking a cigarette. And I, it starts talking with me. He's mm. a young guy, not much older than me. And it comes up in the conversation that there's a guy on the job who's giving me a really hard time, who's mm. like a little crazy mm. and has it in for me. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, we could, you know, we could take care of that. Bro, listen. And I was like, oh, <laughs> look at the time. <laughs> I am not about to be accessory to murder. Hell no. Well, they, they wouldn't have murdered him. No, no. Well, you just roughed him they up a little bit? They would have just, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, like, put the screws to him, to him yeah, a little yeah. bit to chill out. Right. Was the play at that time just like, keep your head down, keep your nose, like, don't don't be asking too many questions about this and that. Just do your job, go home, and well, hope I, that... I, I think, I'll say that, you know, the play is always, um, you know, don't be stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, if you're going to do something, it should have a reasonable chance of success. But did you so at the time, did you want to did you want to remain a laborer like a like a uh, did you want to remain a laborer like in um, unionized uh, labor for like all of your life? Or well, it was I just liked, like it was I, a bridge? I always liked making things and building things. So uh -huh. Even when I was into political organizing, it was mm. still about building something. Sure. And I, I my first job when I was still in, in um, high school mm -hmm. was working at a company that designed uh, games. Uh -huh. I, I definitely um, didn't think of myself as, oh, I'm, you know, my career is going to be as a union carpenter or any kind of carpenter. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think in terms of careers. I still don't. Mm -hmm. um, really? Uh, really. Okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm aware of them. I, yeah, can, yeah. I can describe my life as a career yep. but I never planned it that way or thought of it it was I was always trying to make myself or the world or both mm -hmm. be the shape that I thought it should be I remember telling Walter the uh the superintendent um that the buildings that we were building were evil that they were built you know as a result of investors who never saw the building or the site wanting mm -hmm. to, you know, have a bunch of condos over there, which were going to give some rate of return mm -hmm. and that it was all like evil. It mm -hmm. wasn't. Uh, and, and he had been in construction for 30 years or sure. something at that point. I remember him saying, well, you know, I don't know Matisse if the people, if the buildings are evil, he said, maybe the people 
behind it. And, huh. You know, he was not a radical at no, all. No, he no, was no. Walter was a like very it. mainstream guy, but but uh, he was very thoughtful. Sure. Guy. And I remember him, him. You know, he wasn't ready to agree with me that the buildings themselves could be called evil. That sure. was too like metaphysical or yeah. woo woo. Yeah, him. yeah, too. But too he weird. was he was willing to stipulate that the people behind them. Sure. <laughs> right. Evil. He had eyes and ears, um, just like. And I didn't. Is. I didn't want to participate in that. I wanted to make things better. So I was going to sure. go to architecture school, and I was going to make the world a better place, literally. I'm still tripping on Paul Castellano signing his checks from when he was a union man. Anyway, uh, we continue with the most interesting man in the world tomorrow. See you soon.